Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and micromycel technology. Hi everyone, I'm here with Dr. Jim Stringham and I'm excited to be here. He's gonna tell you a little bit about where we are actually sitting. I know it's a beautiful view and we wanted that on purpose so they get a feel for Ireland. But uh, what I want Jim to do first is tell us a little bit about himself and where we are today. And then we're gonna talk about his summary or take-home messages from the conference we were just at, Brain and Ocular Nutrition. So Jim, go ahead and tell everybody about you. Okay, well, um, I've I've been in this area about 25 years and uh, I'm a PhD researcher. I graduated uh, from the University of New Hampshire uh, back in 2002 uh, with a PhD in experimental psychology and neuroscience. And I did some postdoctoral research at the Harvard Medical School, Medical College of Georgia, and I've been around the block. I, uh, I, you know, worked at the University of Georgia. I worked with the Air Force Research Laboratory in San Antonio, Texas, um, and then came back to the University of Georgia, uh, the Duke Eye Center in Durham, North Carolina. And then currently, I'm the Chief Scientific Officer for MacuHealth. And this is, uh, it, it's pretty wild getting over here to Ireland. Uh, we are in Ireland. And uh, and we're at the Carriganor House, uh, part of the what used to be the Waterford Institute of Technology, now the Southeastern Technical, Technical University. And, uh, and so this is where uh, my colleague and good friend, John Nolan works. And he has uh, created a, a really pretty amazing facility here, yeah. a research institute. Um, they do a lot of work in terms of nutrition and health, uh, you know, performance, both cognitive and, and visual performance. And, uh, and like I say, we go back about 20 years. And, uh, and so it's, it's a yeah. really been a whirlwind trip over here. We're, you know, doing a lot of uh, cool work and it's great to see everybody, this, you know, fervor increasing in terms of, uh, you know, the interest in the field and, and what we can do. I know I've been so excited to learn and, uh, be able to see, how the science is even improving and changing. So I want to kind of rewind, and we've had time now, both of us, to think a little bit, not that you had to because you're very involved in all of this research anyway, but we've had time to kind of reflect back on what we heard this week. So tell me what your highlights are, slash takeaway message from, and I know that's asking a lot, but from all of the presentations that we heard. Yeah, no, we saw so much good science. And uh, and in terms of nutrition, a lot of new things, like uh, work on the microbiome, for instance. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all, most of us anyway, heard about this in some capacity, you know, probiotics and et cetera, and how to, you know, healthy gut equals healthy body. And, and largely that's true. How do we impact that with nutrition? Uh, we learned a lot about that at Vaughn. Um, expanded roles for these special carotenoids, you know, the, the colored, you know, molecules that make up the color of fruits and vegetables, lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin being some of those. 
omega-3s, uh, you know, and others, very long chain omega-3s. I was pretty excited to hear about these. These are, you know, compounds that are generated, that are synthesized in the body uh, from the omega-3s that we're all familiar with, EPA and DHA. And so there may be some really cool applications there. Um, you know, further the transformation from, you know, sort of the Western view of things where you wait until it's broken yep. and then fix it, shifting more so, and I'm a huge fan of this, you know, yes. getting more towards preventative care. Uh, that is, you know, that's where we're moving. And uh, and this is, I say we, it's, it's the scientific community and medicine is buying in. Uh, you know, I work with several optometrists like yourself and, uh, and ophthalmologists as well. They're starting to see the benefit of nutrition. And, uh, and it's not an unreasonable thing. You're not, you know, taking crazy doses of things. It's just right. natural what we're supposed to be getting. And then we're seeing these beneficial effects, uh, immediate effects, and then also long term. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the conference had to do with aging you know, cognitive aging, right. uh, retinal aging, macular degeneration. We can get out in front of these things. Uh, we can we can break that chain of oxidation, inflammation, and cause positive upstream effects, you know, right. behavioral effects, even in disease subjects, in the midst of disease, you know, macular degeneration, we're improving things yeah. while in the midst of, of disease. And then same thing with Alzheimer's. There are, you know, a couple of new reports out that suggest, you know, omega-3s, Macular carotenoids yeah. can have a, a positive benefit there. That's extremely exciting to oh, me. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that. You know, the impact. Alzheimer's disease is the leading, the sixth leading cause of death in America right now in the United States. And that's like, wow, you know, and, and all of us have some connection to Alzheimer's disease, you know, family member. Uh, yeah. It's a, an extreme burden. And um, and so if we can limit that burden, maintain function, I mean, it's a, it's a huge win, you know, for Absolutely. society if we can do that. And we think about that with not only going through it with our families, but we also think about it because you know that if you have a family history and you have other risk factors, which there are other risk factors, that I hope there's something that I can do for me and for the others in my family. So that goes back to the prevention piece. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it, it, it is absolutely critical. So, you know, the families of individuals who are suffering with Alzheimer's disease, yeah. not only do they want help and assistance and, you know, something, you know, they want to hold on to hope uh, for their loved one. But, you know, it's like, well, yeah. that could be me in 20 or 30 or 40 years. Um, it could be my child, you know, coming up through the family. And so, you know, if we can, again, take this preventative approach you know, we know from my macular pigment work that if you, you can build it up very early. I mean, I have my How daughters, okay. I mean, my <laughs> daughters since they were five or six years old, Wow. supplementing, you know, making sure they're getting the right foods, yeah. putting, you know, kale and spinach into smoothies and, you know, tearing it up and, you know, hiding it behind the flavor of blueberries and bananas, you know. Right. Um, so, and, and that's how you have to do it with kids sometimes is sneak them their vegetables. Uh, but, uh, you know, it has benefited them greatly. Uh, they're 15, 16, and 18 now. I had three daughters. God help me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> three teenage daughters, no less. Uh, no, they're, they're fantastic. But, uh, you know, they have high levels of macular pigment, very high levels. One, my oldest daughter is higher than I do, and that's saying something. So, so uh, let's jump into how is and why is a high level of macular pigment important and how does it affect vision and how do you even test and how does it relate to vision? Can you, I know that some of your background, what you've been testing for years, mm -hmm. tell us why it matters. Wow. Okay. So it's interesting. And I, I guess maybe I can sum it up with one case I, and I've had several of these, but one recent case from the Duke Eye Center, 
uh, is a, a kid, 21 year old Duke student, healthy, I mean, fit, you know, uh, intramural sports. And, you know, you would look at him on the street and say, there's a healthy young individual. Yeah. He came into clinic and, uh, and we were using him as a, you know, a, a, like a test subject in a, in a trial. <laughs> he wanted to make a little extra money. And so, uh, anyhow, uh, measured his macular pigment and he had virtually none, zero. And so wow. that's pretty rare. We measure a lot of folks who are low, you know, and that's, that's kind of, you know, par for the course. Uh, but zero is fairly rare. It's like one out of every hundred people. So I retested him just to make sure, recalibrated my device. Wow. Indeed, it was zero, literally zero. And I said, Justin, what are you eating? Have you ever eaten a vegetable in your life? You know? <laughs> and he, with a straight face, uh, comically almost to me, uh, said, you know, I don't think I have. And I was like, what? And oh, if I was my. to call your mother right now and, and say, hey, did you ever feed Justin, you know, a, a vegetable? He said, I fought my parents so hard. I wow. even take the, you know, iceberg lettuce off my hamburger. You know, I'm a tomato. He doesn't eat anything. And I said, wow, that's incredible. I tested his contrast sensitivity. It was kind of on par with somebody who has cataract. I mean, like a 75-year-old oh, person with cataract. It was terrible. Speed of visual processing, same thing. I had tested previously a lady, a 67-year-old with severe glaucoma the day before, faster visual processing speed than Justin, this 21-year-old, wow. otherwise healthy individual. So, But wait a second, you didn't talk about visual acuity. So. Yeah, this is interesting. He had very good visual acuity. So this is a thing that people get confused about mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, they think visual acuity, you know, 2020, the reading the small line on the eye chart is visual performance. Right. And in fact, visual performance is this suite of effects. You know, it's a collection of abilities. Visual acuity is one and the res resolution of objects is important for sure, uh, but there's so much more. There's, you know, dark adaptation. You know, how quickly can you sort of adapt to the dark, you know, right. after coming from a bright environment? Contrast sensitivity is really real world visual performance. So if your acuity is pretty good, but you really struggle outside in, in bright light or dim light, hard to make out different objects, that's contrast sensitivity. And, you know, speed of processing. I work with high-level military personnel and sports, you know, athletics, uh, yeah, high-level pro athletes. And, you know, of course, speed of, of processing is really important to them. It's important to everybody, really. Uh, so, How do you, know, you change that? And you can change that by increasing macular pigment level by, you know, either changing your diet to be very healthy or supplementation, regular, consistent supplementation. You'll see that thing go up, up, up. And these other parameters are just really strongly correlated with the macular pigment. So, yeah. So what did you do for Justin then? What would be the first step for him? Well, for him, and, and it's the case for a lot of people, um, even if you have good intentions, it's difficult to get the right foods in your diet consistently every day. And so for Justin, I was like, hey, here's an extra bottle of, you know, MacuHealth effectively, these macular carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin, mm -hmm. take one a day. And then, so I left Duke to become, you know, the chief scientific officer for MacuHealth, but I have buddies back at Duke that have tested him and he has come up from zero to about the average level of folks in America in wow. about a year. And his contrast sensitivity, within about three months, it had changed and it improved significantly. Yeah, speed wow. of processing, same thing. And really importantly, he noticed. 
he noticed these things. He's yeah. like, I don't struggle and glare as badly. I'm driving at night now and I don't have to worry about, you know, oncoming headlights. I can see things more clearly. I feel more comfortable. And uh, and that's really cool. So And, and likely he wasn't going to change his eating habits. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was scared. He was shaking yeah. in his boots when he left, you know, the sure. clinic. Uh, and But the fact is, is that, yeah, these habits, they form. It's one of the hardest things to change, right. you know eating habits. So I think, Jim, that a, a lot, people that are listening are wondering two things right now. One, we told them what they can use to make a difference for these patients to build the macular pigment. And you told us you could see, you could potentially see a difference in their contrast sensitivity within three months. Is that what you said? Yeah, I would hang my hat on six months. Okay. And again, that's assuming consistent compliance, you know, okay. and, and uh, but yeah, we see it as early as three months for sure. So the other thing that you mentioned is that your your daughters have been on this type of supplement for a very long time. Yeah. So how do we know? I mean, if I don't have or if one of our listeners doesn't have a way to measure macular pigment, how do they know when this supplementation is a good idea? When should they start? How young is too young? And honestly, my way of thinking of it is really who shouldn't? So we can talk about who should, but is there any reason why you shouldn't? That's an excellent question. I, going to your first question, I think starting you know, as young, and again, this is my experience yeah. in the science and having been doing this for about 25 years, every single trial, I mean, there's never been a single adverse event in okay. now thousands of patients, subjects in these trials and supplementation trials. Um, there are, are no drug interactions. Uh, there, um, you know, so people who want to supplement their, their kids, uh, to see these benefits, you know, they're worried a little bit, of course, about that. Uh, no toxicity level. Um, you know, the right. FDA has set, you know, the, the, you know, the sort of threshold dose for toxicity at like 3000 milligrams a day. It's an wow. insanely high amount. So, okay. I mean, you, it, and it hasn't ever been shown to be toxic, you know, to the liver, to any organs. And so the body has vast stores for it. Right. Also has, um, you know, places where, you know, it puts it target targeted in the retina, in the brain. Um, and then it can also excrete it if it needs to, if there's too much. So, so then let's go back to the brain. So we talked about the eye, we know about macular pigment, where do omegas fall into this? And we talked about Alzheimer's, but we didn't really tell anybody what they need to take. We told them you can supplement, you can make a difference, but we didn't tell them how. Okay. Yeah. So in a couple of ways, yeah. omega-3s fit with the macular carotenoids and they fit in one way in that they are uh, extremely scarce in the diet. Uh, they're in fact, very, very low in the diet. We, based on historical data, based on looking at hunter-gatherer societies, which is right. kind of a snapshot in the past, uh, we should be getting much more of both of these uh, compounds right. in our diet. And we can't make them, we can't synthesize them, so we have to get them through diet. So there's that relationship. We're, we're you know, sort of deficient in both of these in terms of our diet. So that's one way. Another way is that they tend to collect in the same areas in the body. They accumulate, especially DHA, this, this one omega-3 fatty acid, and, and lutein pretty specifically together in the retina and the brain. So they go to the same areas and they work together synergistically. So, you know, lutein and DHA, for example, in neural cells like the brain and in the retina, uh, they are, you know, they work together. Lutein protects the DHA from uh, damage. DHA promotes really high 
uh, performance, high fast processing speed. I mean, you want your brain to be fast. You want mm-hmm. to be able to access memories quickly. Uh, it's the same thing with the retina being fast, you know, fast, fast right. visual processing speed. Lutein facilitates that by protecting the fat, allowing it to do all wow. it can, quenching free radicals, uh, stopping inflammation in the brain. Uh, my wife, Nicole, and I did a study published in 2019 that showed that if you are in a supplement group, and this was in healthy college-age students, six-month supplement trial, after six months, just supplementing the macular carotenoids, that you lower a, a pro-inflammatory cytokine that's specific to uh, brain inflammation, IL-1 beta. Wow. So if you lower that, you increase neuroplasticity. Fascinating stuff. And so you can do that. And basically what we learn from studying people like with, you know, like the Japanese or those who subscribe to the Mediterranean diet, Right. The Hadza tribe, uh, the hunter-gatherer society, we should be getting, you know, at least a gram of these, you know, fish oil compounds, the omega threes, uh, at, at least a day. I mean, this is a normal person. You can go higher from there, and it's not going to hurt you, and it could very well help. Um, so it looks like about a gram a day there for the average person, and then we should be getting twenty to twenty-five milligrams of these macular carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and mesozeaxanthin. And what is it? Uh, I think you gave us a number, the average amount that the uh, an American gets of that in their diet in a day. That's yeah, just ninety milligrams, oh, so it's goodness. a kind of paltry amount. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like we all need that as well. So let's go back now and talk about. So we I, everybody's following along. We know what we need for carotenoids. We are talking now about omegas. If I were to give a patient the appropriate dose for dry eye, what would yeah. that dosage of omegas be? That looks like ideally for the, and again, on average for average patient, everybody's a little different, but it looks like about two to three grams. And, you know, populations that have really healthy diets, lots of fish, yeah. uh, the Hadza tribe I've mentioned, uh, they can go very high. On average, they're eating five, six grams a day. Again, no, you know, adverse effects, nothing, wow. nothing going on other than, you know, extreme health. And so, you know, if it just stands to reason that if you're putting these healthy nutrients in your body, yep. uh, you're unclogging things in the eye, you're promoting, you know, adequate lubrication of the ocular surface, you're, you know, helping with a lot of things, not to mention heart, brain, eye. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're getting all of those benefits. And we heard a little bit about that research, but I think what it all comes back to for me is that in my practice, I know that I have patients with diabetes, hypertension. We, oh, I forgot to ask you, at what point, at what age do we start to, does the brain start to, unfortunately, I guess we have to call it age or decline? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, the, the general consensus among scientists is around the age of 30, yeah. things start to sort of slide down a hill. Right. But, uh, you know, that view is, it's interesting. I think given that knowledge, you know, yeah. we can get at the whole story with aging is that it's it's cumulative damage. And so right. if we can get out in front of it, slow that turnover, I mean, I, you just have to look at folks who, I mean, the environment, uh, you know, yeah. in terms of like skin wrinkling. I mean, if you're out in the sun all the time, yep. you wrinkle uh, quite readily. And when you're 50, you might look like you're 70 and vice versa. You know, there are folks who are 70 or 80 that look like yep. they're 50 or 60. And that's yeah. just a lack of cumulative damage. And, and a lot can be done with diet. I mean, it's huge. You work from the inside yeah. out. Oh, I almost forgot. There's another... Uh, new information, just hot off the press, that I think people want to know about, which is the vitreous. 
So tell us what we learned about the vitreous. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, you know, so the, there are nutrients in the vitreous humor, which is the, uh, you know, the, the liquid uh, part of the eye, uh, yeah. this big gel, 80% uh, of the eyeball, in fact, is made up by this vitreous humor. And most of us have these floaters uh, that float around. You look up like I can see a couple I right now in the too. sky <laughs> floating around. And sometimes we're born with them. Generally, we develop them with age and, uh, and it really accelerates after the age of 50. But, you know, even younger folks have floaters. What can we do about that? Right. And for a long time, eye doctors of all walks of life, you know, optometrists, ophthalmologists, yeah. Can't can't do anything about no, it, and and it was long that. it was long thought that it was a closed system. It's just you're born with it, and good luck. You know, if you got floaters, right. or you know, you got floaters. As it turns out, it's an open system. I mean, there's diffusive transport, active transport of of nutrients and fluid, and so what that means is that we can what we put into our body can potentially make it into the vitreous, and so. We analyze uh, what's in a healthy young vitreous, and you find hundreds of antioxidants. You find hundreds wow. of enzymes. I mean, it's all sorts of factors Incredible. that can potentially turn on. And so if you supplement these primary nutrients that are found in there, enzymatic, antioxidant, um, you know, uh, cofactors that turn on other really great things in the, in the vitreous, uh, you see that this glycation of collagen that it presents as floaters uh, actually gets reduced significantly. And so we did a trial for six months and found this uh, roughly 70% of patients responded. Their floaters actually shrunk in size. Some went away. Uh, and so it's interesting. We can influence the vitreous humor just like we're influencing the retina or the brain or the heart. Yeah. It's Two incredible. of the facts I thought were incredible that stood out to me. How long does it take if you take vitamin C? How long does it take for it to get into the vitreous humor? Yeah, there are several animal models here that suggest about four minutes is all it takes from ingestion <laughs> to showing up in the vitreous humor. Uh, oh and it's my incredible. Gosh. So, yeah, that's like, hey, we can do that. We can make a change quickly uh, and influence the chemistry you know, and which would influence the health status of this. Yeah. It's really tissue. And I don't think we, we look at the vitreous humor as tissue. It's mostly water, but really it's, it's in some ways living tissue. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just something we can address with nutrition. And you are so right in the fact that so many of us as eye doctors have just kind of told patients there's nothing we can do. And the good news is it's not a retinal detachment and you're going to be fine. But we discount the fact that it really is something that bothers them immensely. Yeah. And I can tell you, patients are so far loving the option of having a treatment now. And it, I love having a way to talk about it. And again, if we bring it all back to prevention, if we kind of summarize, I think I agree with you that I was taken, taken away or taken aback with the fact that a lot of the conversations at Vaughn were about not just treatment, but prevention. So I'm gonna let Dr. Stringham close us out with what would you say is what you would suggest to people to start thinking about when they talk to their patients as far as carotenoids, omegas, and you know, all of it, you can just pull it together for us. Tell us what we need to be thinking and doing. Yeah. So, you know, you think about the medical model, diagnosis, indication, treatment, that suggests that we need to wait until something's broken, broken. <laughs> or wrong and then try to fix it. Right. Uh, and, and so I think that keeping an open mind about that yeah. um, and, and seeing, looking to the science. I mean, we have been yeah. doing this for a long time. It's gaining a lot of momentum, which is really exciting to oh, me. Yeah. 
in the beginning, 2005, I was shouting like, look at this. This is amazing. We're making these massive changes in six yeah. months in, in many individuals. And people were like, with nutrition? Uh, right. That's not medicine, you know, but we're right. having medicinal effects. And so here we are, you know, 15, 20 years later. And um, and it's it's generally been accepted that we can yeah. do something about this. And, uh, and so just uh, having that mindset of prevention of even when you're in the midst of disease, you can do yeah. something really meaningful with nutrition and more importantly, maybe not do any harm. You know, I mean, right. you're, you're, there's no risk here, really. It's uh, it's all good. And, um, and you know, the earlier you start generally, and in, in my experience, the better. I'm so excited for my daughters, for instance, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're set up. I mean, they're going to stave off so much cumulative yep. damage over their lifespan. What's in the eye is related to what's in your brain. So they've got high brain carotenoids. They've got omegas going. And so. And blue light, know, will it make a difference for them there absolutely. too? Absolutely. Yeah. This yellow pigmentation absorbs blue light. Uh, we did a study on that as well and, and uh, found that, you know, you saw relief from eye strain, um, eye fatigue, even tension headaches got reduced significantly. One fewer headache per week in our sample. So really cool. And those with really high blue, you know, screen yes. time, uh, blue light exposure. I love it. Dr. Stringham, I just want you to know, I appreciate all that you do, all that you've been working on. And I think it's it's rewarding to you. It must be, but just um, encouraging to me that people do what you do, do the research and uh, stick to the science so that you can bring it to us to be able to use it in clinical practice. So a big thank awesome. you. Awesome. Well, you are so welcome, April. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before neural lenses, I always had eye strain, eye dryness, eye fatigue, moderate to severe headaches. I had to take prescription medication. It was to the point where I guess they'd want me to sit down and color or read them books, and I couldn't. I couldn't do nothing. When I got my neural lenses, my headache went away. I wasn't taking Tylenol anymore. Can't explain it, but it worked. I would pay double for my neural lenses because I can't go a day without them. Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper. Dr. Jasper and her guests discuss hot topics, practice management tips, patient care moments, and vendor vignettes in this weekly podcast. Catch it simulcast on YouTube too.